9, November the 9th, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Nope, Chester, it's Monday. I've counted it backwards and forwards. It's it's definitely Monday. Hi, everybody. I thought I saw you coming in. <clears throat> Chester and I were just trying to figure out how we could extend this weekend. But it ain't going to happen, Chester, because it's Monday and people are showing up already for the comedy. I know. <laughs> we're glad to have you. We're glad to have you. Hi, this is Bob Bro. Welcome to the best old-time radio podcast for Monday, November the 9th, 2020. And of course, on Mondays we have a comedy, and today is going to be no exception. So we have a good one lined up for you, so it's time for you to go over and sit in that chair, get your feet up, make yourself comfortable. Don't dwell on your problems, just let them go out the window. Because you're going to be very highly entertained, and you're going to laugh some, maybe a lot, with a really funny episode of, of uh, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is in just a minute. So go over there and sit down, and we'll be right back with this week's old-time radio comedy. Monday, Monday, can't trust that day. Monday, Monday, it just turns out that way. Something familiar, something peculiar, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Something appealing, something appalling, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Nothing with kings, nothing with crowns. Bring on the lovers, liars, and clowns. Situation, no complications. Nothing portentous or polite. Okay, time to go back to 1949 and visit our favorite English teacher, Connie Brooks. This episode of Our Miss Brooks was originally aired on September 25th of that year on CBS. So this was early in the run. Lots of good things in this one tonight. Mr. Conklin, of course, played by Gail Gordon, is uh, the title character. The name of the episode is Conklin Causes a Fight. Uh, he played that flustered character so well. Not probably as pronounced in this episode tonight. He used to play the same character, <laughs> practically, as Marilyn Trivia on Fibber McGee and Molly and a number of other shows. Of course, he did. He was Mr. Conklin on the TV version of Our Miss Brooks. Also, of course, notice Jane Morgan, how good she was as Mrs. Davis. But kind of a standout on this one tonight to me was uh, Richard Crenn as Walter. When he comments, uh, Mrs. Brooks makes some type of comment like, uh, Mr. Boynton won't know what to do. And Walter, with the sparkle in his eyes, you can you can hear over the radio, says, well, you can teach him, can't you, Mrs. Brooks? Almost a double entendre. And wisdom beyond his years. And a laugh in his voice. He was just so good in this role. And, of course, he went on to have such a great acting career. I, I noticed that in this uh, in this episode tonight. So focus in on Walter Denton, Richard Crenna. Okay, here we go. From 1949, Conklin Causes a Fight. 
on Our Miss Brooks. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. It's time once again for Eve Arden in another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, written by Al Lewis. Well, for most of us, it's considerably harder to get up early on winter mornings than it is during the summer. But this isn't the case with Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School. Maybe I'm just being perverse, but if I found it any harder to get up early in the winter than I do in the summer, I'd sleep right through the spring. (laughs) That's why Mrs. Davis, my landlady, had such a time waking me last Thursday morning. Connie, get up, Connie. Go away, Mrs. Davis. Come on now. You told me yourself that you wanted to get up at 6.30 sharp. I was lying. (laughs) I can't understand what makes you so difficult to wake up. Oh, it must be because of my dream. Your dream? Yes, I dreamt I was out very late last night. Oh. You did go out with Mr. Boynton last night, didn't you? I had dinner with the bashful one, yes. Was it an exciting evening, Connie? It was a (laughs) rip-snorter. When we got to the front door, Mr. Boynton apologized for keeping me out until the wee small hours. What time was it, Connie? Five minutes of ten. (laughs) Of course, by the time he got finished saying goodnight, the way he says it, it was considerably later. What time was it then? Four minutes of ten. (laughs) Well, I better take my shower and get dressed, Mrs. Davis. All right, Connie. Mr. Boynton isn't the most romantic fellow in the world, is he? So far, Cary Grant has nothing to worry about. (laughs) Oh, this coffee was very good, Mrs. Davis. Oh, I'm glad you like it, Connie. Do you know what I put into the coffee grounds to get that flavor? Don't tell me. I want another cup first. (laughs) There we are. You want some? No, thanks. I've been thinking about Mr. Bullington all morning. Why, Mrs. Davis, don't tell me I've got competition. Competition? Oh, of course not, Connie. Why, I'm old enough to be both your mothers. Oh, now, please, Mrs. Davis, you mustn't split up over us. (laughs) Oh, that must be Walter Denton. I can tell because there's still some food on the breakfast table. I'll get it. All right, Connie. I'm going out in the yard for a few minutes. I've got to try to fix that incinerator. The incinerator? What's the matter with it? It caught on fire the other day. (laughs) I'll tell you about it when I come back. Should be interesting. Be right there. Good morning, Walter. Correction, Miss Brooks. It's a wonderful morning. A delicious morning. A morning dripping with ecstasy. Well, trickle in, happy boy. (laughs) What are you celebrating, Walter? Was Madison High swept out to sea by a tidal wave? Uh, Of course not, Miss Brooks. It's me that's being carried along by a tidal wave. A tidal wave of emotion unprecedented in one of my tender years. It's as if I'd discovered a hidden wellspring in the core of my being. You'll find a blotter in the hall closet. the dinette. I was just finishing a cup of coffee. Oh, I'd be happy to join you in a bit of breakfast, Miss Brooks. Sit down, Walter. How about a glass of milk? Uh, A glass of milk and a few pieces of coffee cake will be fine, thanks. Hmm. I'm glad you brought your beaming face over so early today. Maybe you can loan me a pint or two of ecstasy. What's it all about? Well, it's Harriet, Miss Brooks. 
I'm really in solid with her, and all because of a fortunate accident that happened yesterday afternoon. What kind of an accident? Well, yesterday after school, she was in the garage looking for a tennis racket, and her father's car was in the way. Now, you know how finicky old Marblehead is about the... <laughs> Mr. Conklin is about his car. <laughs> I know he doesn't let anyone drive it. Drive it? He doesn't let anybody come within six feet of it if he can help it. He even parks it himself in parking lots. Why, I've heard him boast that since the day he bought it, his car has been untouched by human hands. <laughs> How does he get it lubricated? And if you say by grease monkeys, I'll take away that cake. <laughs> No, he does it himself, Miss Brooks So you can imagine how nervous Harriet got When she tried to back it up a few feet in the garage And the wheels were turned too sharply And bang, she put a neat dent in the fender That's when I got the inspiration That will forever endear me to Harriet Conklin What did you do, smuggle her out of the country? <laughs> no, Miss Brooks I decided to take the rap for what she'd done Instead of obeying my normal, natural impulse To run like a crook uh, I decided to face Mr. Conklin and take the blame But, Mo Walter, Mr. Conklin isn't too fond of you as it is I'll say he isn't He can't stand the sight of me <laughs> But as I say, Miss Brooks, I was inspired So I went around to the front of the house I strode boldly up the porch steps And faced Mr. Conklin's face, face to face In the picture, let's face it <laughs> Sir, I said, you're not going to like this but the fender of your car has just been dented. And it was I, Walter Denton, who did the Denton. You've been reading too much Ogden Nash. What did Mr. Conklin say to that, Walter? He said, Denton, I admire your honesty. That's all he said? Not another word, not another syllable. He just extended his hand and shoved me down the steps. <laughs> I knew there was some sort of punctuation. <laughs> but as I landed in the yard below, I felt a warm glow spreading around my heart. I questioned the geographical accuracy of that remark. <laughs> no, it's the truth, Miss Brooks. I saw a look in Harriet's eyes she helped me up that seemed to say, Walter Denton, I am forever your slave. And you know something, Miss Brooks? That system would work for you, too. But, Walter, I can't be your slave. The Board of Education has a priority. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Mr. Boynton. Now, if you want to get in solid with him, all you've got to do is just what I did. What, let Mr. Conklin shove me down the steps? <laughs> no, Miss Brooks, take the rap for some jam that Mr. Boynton gets into. But Mr. Boynton doesn't get into any jams. How could I possibly take any raps for him? Maybe a jam could be arranged for Mr. Boynton. Mrs. Davis... <laughs> I couldn't help but hear your conversation, Connie. You couldn't? No, I had my ear to the keyhole. <laughs> Walter, I want you to know that I think you've got a wonderful idea there. Oh, thanks, Mrs. Davis. Now, it shouldn't be too tough to figure out a way to get Mr. Boynton into some kind of trouble at school. Then you could take the blame for him, and he'd be so grateful. He wouldn't know what to do for you first. But I bet you could tell him. <laughs> would be framing a perfectly innocent man. But it's for his own good, Connie. He's just too shy to realize that you two were meant for each other. Now, it's quite early yet, so before you start out for school, let's all sit quietly and try to figure out the best possible scheme. Swell. We'll all concentrate. 
I've got it. What is it? I'll borrow Mr. Boynton's cigarette lighter and leave it in the principal's office as evidence. His cigarette lighter? What good would that do? Oh, I forgot to tell you. First, I'd set fire to Mr. Conklin. and plenty of time for me to try out the Walter Denton plan for obtaining the gratitude of the object of one's affections, or as Walter so romantically put it, get him in the jam, take the wrap, and you got him in your pocket. (laughs) Anyway, I headed directly for Mr. Boynton's biology lab, and knowing that Mr. Conklin's disposition wouldn't be improved any by the dent in his fender, I glided very carefully past his office, but I guess I wasn't careful enough. Miss Brooks. Oops, (laughs) Morning, Mr. Conklin. On our toes this morning, aren't we? Yes, we are. Especially you. It's just that I didn't want to disturb you, sir. Very considerate of you. Now, if you don't mind, Miss Brooks, you can put your shoes on and step into my office. (laughs) There we are. Have a seat. Thank you, sir. As you know, Miss Brooks, I have high blood pressure. Yes, sir, I know. Sometimes when you get excited, your face gets so red, it looks like Uh, a little... Never mind. (laughs) Never mind the little word pictures, Miss Brooks. I know how I look when I get excited. What I wanted to tell you is that I saw you stepping out of Walter Denton's car this morning. Oh? I see you stepping out of Denton's car almost every morning when you come to school, and it rather fascinates me. What does... Well, you see, sometimes I park my car right in front of school, sometimes a few yards to the right of it, and sometimes halfway down the block. But do you know something, Miss Brooks? No matter where I park it, Denton always manages to pull up alongside of it so that when you get out of his car, you have to slide your body the entire length of my car, making nick after nick in the paint job! (laughs) I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Conklin. I had no idea I was so abrasive. Well, it's not deliberate, I'm sure. But every third Sunday when I Simonize my car, I I find a little nick here, a little nick there, here a scratch, there a scrape. Everywhere a scratch scrape. (laughs) I mean, I can understand your being annoyed, Mr. Conklin, but... I'm glad. You see, Miss Brooks, to me, a man's car is a most personal possession. As personal, you might say, as his toothbrush. Well, in the future, Mr. Conklin, you can rest assured that I'll make every effort not to bump into your toothbrush. A car. (laughs) Thanks, Miss Brooks. Oh, before you go, there's one more thing. Yes? Make a little effort to avoid bumping into Mr. Boynton so often, too. You know how I stand on fraternization between faculty members? Mr. Boynton? And me? Why, just put it out of your mind, Mr. Conklin. That's a thing of the past. Oh, really? Of course. Why, if I were the only woman in the world and Mr. Boynton was the last man on earth... Yes, Miss Brooke? I'd like to leave a call for Tuesday. (laughs) So you see, Mr. Boynton, although I don't like to lecture, these little visits have just got to stop. That's all there is to it. Why, Miss Brooks, I, I like your dropping into my lab like this. Well, that's the end of that lecture. Any questions? (laughs) Oh, honestly, I don't see why Mr. Conklin's so strict about teachers passing the time of day once in a while. What harm does it do? Well, it does slow up our work some, I suppose. 
Although I haven't anything urgent to do at the moment. In fact, I was just doodling on this scratch pad. You see, it's a sketch of one of my white mice. Say, that's very cute. How is everything with you, Mr. Barton? Fine, Miss Brooks. No trouble on the horizon at all? That is, everything sailing along smoothly for you? Smooth as silk. Oh. Let me have that mouse you just drew Hmm? and that pencil. Thanks. Now, when I put this little mustache on him, who does it remind you of? Gee, I don't know. Here, I'll give you a hint. There. Well, when you put his name on it, it does look quite a bit like Mr. Conklin. (laughs) Say, that reminds me. I've got some reports to turn into him this morning. Oh, I'll do it for you. I'm going right by his office. Are you sure it's no trouble? Trouble? It's my opportunity. I mean, I'll be glad to leave these reports for you. (laughs) See you later, Mr. Boynton. All right, Miss Brooks, and thanks. Now I better tear up that drawing with Osgood Conklin's name on it, or he might... Well, that's funny. It disappeared. Oh, Miss Brooks, just a minute. What is it? Uh, Did you happen to pick up that drawing I... Miss Brooks, what's that you're stuffing in the envelope with my reports? Please, Mr. Boynton, I never stuff. Let's see that a minute. (laughs) But, Mr. Boynton, if you don't get reports in promptly to Mr. Conklin, he gets furious. Miss Brooks, look at this picture. Eek, a mouse. (laughs) Yes, and with a mustache. Now, I I wish you'd tell me what he's doing in there with my reports. Maybe there's some cheese in the envelope. (laughs) This is no laughing matter, Miss Brooks. I could have gotten into a fine jam with Mr. Conklin. Yes, it could have been a beauty. Uh, but there's no harm done, Mr. Boynton. I would have discovered it before I got to Mr. Conklin's office, and I... Well, you don't think I intentionally... Mr. Boynton, how dare you accuse me of what I just did? over here, Miss Brooks. I just saw Mr. Boynton at the other end of the cafeteria. Well, if you must know, Harriet, I'm staying away from Mr. Boynton because of your father. Oh, Daddy won't be up to the cafeteria today. He's been terribly upset since I dented his fender yesterday. Walter Denton took the blame for it, though. He's just an angel, Miss Brooks. Yes, I heard he flew down the steps beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) But ever since it happened, Daddy's been on a rampage. He's positive he's got an ulcer. Really? Can he afford one? I mean, I'm sorry to hear it. Daddy called the cafeteria a little while ago and had them prepare a special lunch for him to eat in his office. Plain broth and a whole boiled chicken. Walter's bringing the tray over from the steam table now. I promised Daddy I'd bring it right down to his office. Well, here we are, Harriet. This ought to stop the old lion from growling for his vittles. Oh, hiya, Miss Brooks. Hello, Walter. Thanks, Walter. I'll rush it right down to him. Oh, just a minute, Harriet. I was just thinking. I've got to go back to my room for a minute. Why don't you stay here and eat your own lunch and let me take the tray for you? Well, well, that's very nice of you, Miss Brooks. Oh, it's nothing I... at all, Harriet. Here, give me the tray, Walter. Well, you sure you'll drop it right in Daddy's office? Nothing would give me greater pleasure. <laughs> Walter, will you walk out of the cafeteria with me for a moment? Oh, sure, Miss Brooks. Excuse me, Harriet. Certainly, Walter, dear. See how nice she is to me. How are you doing, Miss Brooks? Think of any way to get Mr. Boynton into a jam? I think I've got an idea, Walter, but you've got to help me. Yeah? While he's out, I want you to take this tray into Mr. Boynton's laboratory. Just put a little note on it saying, compliments of the cafeteria. And whatever you do, don't mention this to Harriet. But, Miss Brooks, this lunch belongs to Mr. Quiet, Walter. His office is just a few doors down the hall. You started me on this thing. Now the least you can do is cooperate. Well, okay, Miss Brooks. I'll put it in the lab right away. But I sure hope you know what you're doing. I sure hope you get your hope. Well, what is it? 
May I see you for a moment, Mr. Conklin? Oh, come in, come in. Uh, There's something I'd like to tell you, sir. Very well, but be brief. Oh, I will. I know this is your feeding time. uh, Lunch time. (laughs) It is past my lunch time. The tray I ordered should have been here a half an hour ago. Well, that's what I came in to talk to you about. It might be some sort of a prank, and although I'm not the one to go in for informing, Mr. Prank? Who took my lunch? I don't know, I'm sure. But I thought if you wanted me to, I could infect some of the laboratories, uh, classrooms, and see who the the guilty party might be. A splendid suggestion, Miss Brooks. Only instead of you inspecting the classrooms, I'll do it myself. Yourself? Oh, but you're not a well man, Mr. Conklin. You you can't leave this office now. Step aside, Miss Brooks. I'm going to locate my lunch or else. I'm glad you got to class before any of the others, Walter. I'm in the spot. Yeah, but Miss Brooks... When I had you put that lunch tray in Mr. Boynton's lab, I wanted him to see it before I transferred it to my room and told Mr. Conklin that somebody had played a prank on me. Yeah, I know, Miss Brooks, but... Mr. Conklin insisted on making the rounds himself, and now... Walter, isn't that the lunch tray on my desk? Yeah, that's what I've been trying to explain, Miss Brooks. Mr. Boynton already had lunch, so when he found it in the lab, he brought it down here to your room. He said he wanted to treat you. Oh, fine. Well, there's no time for any more schemes now. I'd better sneak his lunch into Mr. Conklin's office while he's out looking. Oh, there's something else I've got to explain, Miss Brooks. Although Mr. Boynton had his lunch and I knew you'd had yours, I didn't have mine. So rather than take a chance of getting caught in the hall with it, I ate it. (laughs) Let's see it. Oh, there's nothing left but a skeleton. I've got to get rid of this tray immediately. Quick, Walter, open the window. I'll take these dishes and lower them out. Just a moment, Miss Brooks. (laughs) What's that you're holding in your hand? For all practical purposes, my death warrant. (laughs) You see, Mr. Conklin... Silence! I... (laughs) Put it down on your desk, please. Thank you. So you wanted to hunt through the classrooms yourself, eh? A very clever red herring, Miss Brooks, but it just didn't work. I'll deal with you later, of course. But for now, I'll just take my lunch and... My lunch? What happened to it? This chicken is nothing but skin and bones. He's been working very hard lately. (laughs) Please, Mr. Conklin, I'll explain it all later. I'll think of something. Uh, Just go to your office and relax. Why, I'll bring you a tray that'll make you feel like a million dollars. There's only one thing I want you to bring me on a tray, Miss Brooks. And that's your head! (laughs) Oh, I'm certainly glad school's over, Mr. Boynton. I thought this day would never end. Oh, me too. Mr. Conklin was in a pretty bad mood, wasn't he? I can't understand it. He's got such a fine teaching staff, you'd think he'd be happy. Well, here's my car, Miss Brooks. Uh... If you haven't made any other plans, uh, that is, I I thought maybe if if you didn't have a ride with some other, well, uh, would would you like me to... uh... I'm already in, Mr. Boynton. (laughs) Oh, Oh, fine, I'll get in. Now, we'll just... Uh Uh-oh, I seem to be jammed in between two cars here. Oh, it is pretty tight. Bumper to bumper. Yeah, I'll just have to stop my motor and push the car in front of me a bit. 
Why do people persist in leaving their cars in gear? You've got enough room now, Mr. Boynton. You can stop pushing the car in front of you. I have stopped. That car's rolling by itself. Miss Brooks, what'll I do? Well, there's nothing you can do. Maybe it'll stop by itself. That's the first time I've been right today. Come on. Oh, look at that fender, crumpled like an accordion. Well, let's see who the car belongs to. Miss Brooks, can you see the certificate on the steering wheel? Quite clearly, Mr. Boynton. It says, and I quote, Osgood Conklin. Osgood Conklin? What? Well, I, I guess I'll have to face the music. You, you wait right here, Miss Brooks. I'm going in and report this to Mr. Conklin. Well, that's a fine insurance company you're with, Gibbons. I'm sorry, Mr. Conklin, but our inspector looked at the fender this morning, and he says the dent can be hammered out for about $40. But I don't want it hammered out. I want a new fender. What am I paying insurance premiums for? Sorry, Mr. Conklin, a new fender would cost over $150, and the dent you have doesn't justify it. Since your policy is a $50 deductible, you'll have to stand the expense yourself. Bye. Uh, but, Mr. Gibbons, Goodbye. I... Goodbye. Mr. Gibbons, I... Mr. Gibbons, Mr... He hung up on me. Well, of all the colossal nerves. Oh, pardon me, sir. Uh, what do you want, Boynton? I, uh, I wish to report an accident, sir, an automobile accident. Automobile accident? Anybody hurt? Not yet. <laughs> you see, sir, uh, uh, it was your car. My car? Yes, sir. You had me locked in at the curb, and I had to give it a little push, and the brake wasn't on, and, well, it, it didn't stop till it hit a tree. A tree? What happened to it? Oh, well, nothing happened to the tree, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> Your, your fender, it's, uh, it's just... Smashed up pretty good, Boynton? Mangled. Really wrecked, eh? <laughs> oh, Boynton, that's wonderful. <laughs> wonderful? You mean, you mean you're happy about it? Well, of course. I'll show that insurance company that... Oh, wait a minute. That fender couldn't be hammered out, could it? Oh, definitely not. a boy, Boynton! <laughs> Forget this, my boy. You've done me a real turn. Don't you see? I had a little dent in the fender, but the insurance company wouldn't replace it. But now they'll have to. Do you hear me? They'll have to. <laughs> Wait. Wait. Mr. Conklin, you're barking at the wrong tree. I mean, I alone am responsible for what just happened to your car. You? But Mr. Boynton said Never that... mind what Mr. Boynton said. Uh, now, see here, Miss Brooks. There's no necessity for you to go... Ixnay, Mr. Boynton. I'll handle this. No, Mr. Conklin, I know you're angry at me as it is, but I cannot let an innocent person try to shield me. You can go now, Mr. Boynton. Leave here a free man. But, Miss Brooks, you, you can don't... thank me some other time. Tonight, say. <laughs> but I, I, I don't understand. Why are you trying to take credit for this, Boynton? Credit? Credit? Look, Mr. Conklin, I don't understand a lot of things that have happened here today, so if you'll excuse me, I'll take Miss Brooks' suggestion and then leave here a free man. But, Mr. Boynton, I don't... Well, now, what's the matter with him? What difference does it make who did what as long as I'm pleased? 
Miss Brooks, you have no idea what you've just done for me. You're so right. And you, Mr. Conklin, have no idea what I have just done to me. But I told you I'm not angry. Why are you still up a tree? If an English teacher may correct a principle, Mr. Conklin, it isn't a tree that I'm up. What I'm up and without a paddle is a creek. <laughs> well, I corralled Mr. Boynton before he got into his car again and explained that I thought he was in trouble and was merely coming to his rescue. Well, I'm afraid I don't approve of such heroics, Miss Brooks. You see, I've always liked to stand on my own two feet. It's a trait I inherited from my father. Really? Yes, Miss Brooks. I've gotten where I am today without the help of any woman. I'm rather proud of that, and so is my father. Mr. Boynton, could I have his address? His address? What for, Miss Brooks? I want to send your father a card on Mother's Day. <laughs> Next week, tune into another Our Miss Brooks show, brought to you by Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair, and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. As originally heard back on September the 25th, 1949. That was our Miss Brooks. The name of that episode was Conklin Causes a Fight. That are going to do it for this Monday, November the 9th in 2020. But don't fret. I know how depressed you get when the show ends, but really, we'll be back tomorrow, and tomorrow we'll have a really snappy drama. Well, I've got, it's down to two or three, Chester. I've I've listened to a few shows over the weekend, and it's down to two or three, so we'll make up our mind within the next 24 hours, but we'll be back tomorrow with a a great drama. Then, of course, on Wednesday, we'll have a detective or a mystery story. And on Thursday, a western. Glad that you uh, stopped by today. Hope that your month is off to a good start now that we're starting the second week of November. I guess that's it. We're going to go out tonight with... Uh, see, now, this is something, Chester. My brain is always working. You know how lethargic we both were when we came in here this morning? Well, yes, you were. You you were really dragging. Well, I'm the same way on a Monday. See, I don't know. I'm not a great Monday person. It's not that I don't enjoy my life and even my work, but it's just something about the weekend ending and Monday starting. So I thought in my infinite wisdom that we needed something, something to get us moving, something to get us maybe feeling happy, something energetic, something where you can't sit still. You got to get up and dance. And so we are going to go out tonight with one of them kind of tunes from The Who. No, we're not going back to 1949. 
fact, we're not going to do that this week. We're going to we're going to play some some songs from our youth, and we're going to start off with this song, which is one of the greatest double entendre songs of of all time. I'm sure. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me. Squeeze, but stay. 